Hey guys, you're listening to Totally Stoked Podcast with Amelia Travis, yoga teacher and wild child turned multi-six-figure business coach, writer, speaker, and spiritual warrior. Totally Stoked is an experiment in radical honesty. On this show, there's only two rules, show up and tell the truth. Each week, we share uncensored, truth-telling, shame-busting conversations with thought leaders, entrepreneurs, visionaries, and modern-day mystics revealing their rise to thrive stories, current challenges, and sharing their most powerful tools for awakening, growth, and well-being. This is your place to let down your guard, open your heart, and remember that being human is a crazy, wild ride, but you don't have to do it alone. So buckle up, baby, because we're heading full speed ahead to radical self-love and a totally stoked life. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Welcome back, friends, to another episode of Totally Stoked Podcast. I am super, super stoked to be here today um, with a special guest who arrived, as they always do, right on time. She's someone who had been mentioned to me many times over the last year by different friends and allies, um, and yet I hadn't taken the hint from the universe (laughs) to go out and find her until she arrived in my inbox. And I thought, aha, there's going to be a really, really powerful conversation that unfolds from this. So my guest today is a shamanic practitioner and founder of Ceremony, an esoteric brand which focuses on in-person and online shamanic education, remote shamanic readings, and plant medicines for skin and aura. She works with a blend of modalities, including core shamanism, plant spirit medicine, chaos magic, and Chinese esoterics, with a focus on integrating the subconscious and the conscious, past lives work, divination, dream work, ancestral connection, and consciousness expansion. In other words, all my faves. (laughs) She's also a neurofeedback practitioner at Open Minds Performance, where she supports others in accessing their peak via neurological resilience. It's the intersection of ancient and frontier that she finds most fascinating and that I'm fascinated with in talking with her. And she believes that this intersection is so powerful and effective for reaching the full human potential. This powerful magical creature became a shamanic practitioner by accident while on bed rest for five months during her second child's pregnancy. Having an alienar background in design, education, and clean tech, she sees her background as a way to relate, to be curious together, and to live our most aligned selves. She's shifting the paradigm and the conversation nationally, globally, about what it means to embrace meaningful magic on our own terms. And I'm so excited to welcome to the show, Mimi Young. Hello. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. So you didn't know that little bit of backstory that I had multiple people in my circle. So, hey, do you know Mimi Young or have you heard of Ceremony over the last year? And I was like, no, I haven't heard of her. Just, and kind of just breezed it past. And, um, and then you dropped into my, either my inbox or my assistant's inbox with like, hey, I'd love to be on the show. And I was like, oh, great. I guess I really am supposed to talk to her. <laughs> but I was like, thank you universe for making it very easy. It's like, oh, you're going to ignore the signs. We'll just put her right in front of you. And I was like, cool, perfect. Um, so awesome to hear. 
So you are Taiwanese Canadian, a shamanic practitioner, and ceremony it has a lot of different offerings underneath it. Um, and, and maybe part of the reason that I initially had glossed over is I took a quick glance at your Instagram and I thought, oh, okay, this is like um, uh, beauty and skincare stuff. And I was like, okay, great. But in that moment, I wasn't looking to buy any beauty or skincare stuff. So I just kind of passed it by. But what I know now is you do so much more than that. Um, so can you share with us a little bit about what is Ceremony as a brand and, and why did you start it? So like what you had shared with your listeners, um, I did it all by accident. And, you know, looking back, um, I, I, I think I can only say that spirit told me to do it. And I foolishly, whatever you want to call it, I just, I followed um, <laughs> you know, it was sort of like it, yeah, the circumstance presented, um, I, you know, with ceremony, when I first started, uh, my second child was, was just born. Um, so I was, you know, slightly sleep deprived and anxious to be back on my feet because I had been on bed rest for so long. Um, and I was experiencing psychic downloads, um, on, on the daily. And it was just this whole new accelerated pace and I want to preface that it, it, that wasn't the first time I experienced the paranormal um, I I would say that I've been experiencing it since childhood but the format um, of the experience changed while on bed rest and then of course that led me to start working with plant medicine and you did something that was very tactile and three-dimensional and something um, even on a practical perspective that helped my body feel in my body again, just because so much of that had, like there was this pause during that five month bed rest where I like literally had to shrink my world, shrink my experiences in the three dimensional and just essentially be like baking this bun in the oven um, to sustain, uh, the, the viability of his life. Um, and then, so when he was born and after he was born, I had just this huge surge of wanting to be in connection again. And for me, it, it was through the plants. Mm -hmm. I'm so curious. Do you think that part of the reason that the bed rest was really expansive in terms of your awareness of these downloads was because you were forced into that state of being as opposed to doing. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, prior to that, I was like a closet intuitive. It wasn't mm -hmm. something that I was comfortable talking about. Um, with others, let alone with, like, I mean, I couldn't even talk about it with myself. It was just something that I avoided. It, it, there was a lot of confusion and shame around it. Um, and part of it was because, um, like, my, I would say, like, one of my, my first gifts um, is something called clarofaction or clarofactance, um, commonly known as psychic smelling. And, you know, we're to talk about the clairs, you know, that the other psychic gifts, like, such as um, clairvoyance or clairaudience, those are fairly talked about within um, the, the new age, mm -hmm. you know, or wellness um, uh, 
group or industry. Um, but what I was experiencing was quite unique and, and I would say that it was overlooked. And so I would, I would go to metaphysical bookstores and try to get some information. And typically people would say, oh yeah, well, we, well this is our, you know, our, our section about the Claire's, but no, I don't see anything about this specific gift. And so because of it, I, um, a, you know, being a witch in many ways is already uh, something that one has to be uh, be able to to be okay with. Um, and then two, uh, when I was experiencing this, you know, since like since adolescence onwards, um, it, it it was something that I had to be comfortable with myself, realizing that I can I had a, a gift that is still dissimilar in some ways to other intuitives. So I lacked the language to be able to talk about it. Um, and I feel for me, language is a way to normalize. When we have mm -hmm. words to express things, when we have a way to communicate with others and to create that commonality, um, for me, it, it, was, it was, I didn't feel normal. Um, mm -hmm. And so there was a lot of shame around it. Mm. So this is really interesting. So a couple things I'd like to ask you about in there. One is because I know the question is burning in the minds of so many people listening right now. Can you describe to us the experience of this, Claire? What, um, what actually happens? And perhaps if there's one memorable experience of, of it that where you really were like, this is, this is outside the realm of like what's going on in, in my, you know, sensory perceptions of the here and now. This is something else. Can you share with us what, uh, what it feels like? Yeah, so psychic smelling is smelling something that cannot be pinpointed in the three-dimensional. So you're smelling something and it feels like you're smelling a real thing. Mm -hmm. um, let's say, you know, you go to a coffee shop, you'll smell coffee. Mm -hmm. um, you'll sm and, but I would be smelling coffee, let's say, in the forest. Mm -hmm. or in a place where you do not expect that thing to be because it's not physically there. Mm -hmm. So for me, um, examples, uh, it's very often smelling people. So mm -hmm. I would pick up the scent of someone and that person wouldn't be physically with me and their, you know, their, their clothing wouldn't be with me or there's nothing physically that belongs to that individual. And yet I would just get this, this whiff, um, a very powerful whiff of an individual. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, so in, it did really for me, it was typically, you know, at least in, in my younger years, it was smelling someone and then being able to make sense of, well, why did I just smell that person? So mm -hmm. sometimes it would be like, oh, um, maybe it would be good to just give them a call and see how they're doing. And then later on, I would find out that, you know, they like had a horrible day or they had a, like a terrible migraine or something shocking had happened to them. They lost their job or, you know, their cat passed away, that type of thing. And, um, and they would always say, how did you know? Like, how did you know to call me? This is, you know, before texting days because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm like an eighties kid. Um, so, uh, you know, that's what, uh, that's typically how it would present. And then later on, um, as, uh, the gift developed, I would smell emotions. So I'd mm. learn to smell, you know, I would smell envy in someone or smell dishonesty. Um, typically, uh, they would be construed as warnings. Like they're not, I don't want to say that those emotions are negative because they're, they're not, mm -hmm. um, but they would be typically warnings for me to pay attention. 
Um, and, uh, but I'm saying this because I have, you know, years and years of experience now where I've made tons of mistakes where I have ignored it or I made the wrong, I, you know, I arrived at the wrong conclusion and I, I had thought it meant something else. Um, but, but yeah, that's typically how, how it is experienced for me. I'm just, now it's just my own curiosity. When you smell something like dishonesty or envy, do those, are those, um, is that an intuitive knowing and it's like person specific or for example, does, you know, dishonesty smell like, you know, cloves and something right. else? Yeah, like, yeah, like rot rotten eggs or something. Across yeah. the board. <laughs> um, I would say those types of emotions, like greed, dishonesty, um, gossip, those types of ones, um, they can either smell like a person, mm -hmm. um, and that person may have a history of that just from me being, you know, like knowing this individual, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, and then it shows up as a person. And then I have to ask myself, is it, is that smell that individual or is it the energy that I'm smelling? So not mm -hmm. actually the individual it's, it's, you know, not Susie's per se. It might just be the, the emotion. Um, mm -hmm. but sometimes it could, it could smell, um, more like a, uh, like an unpleasant smell, typically sort of like a rotting sort of uh, smell, like something that has decomposed. It, it's not mm. a it's not a pleasant you know flower fragrance, let's mm. say. Um, and yeah, and I, I do smell you know flowers and, and things like that too. I think for me, the ones that I smell the most are people, like people that I actually know, mm -hmm. um, and flowers. Which uh, because I have a relationship with them as teachers, I understand. Mm -hmm. Okay, if I'm smelling this. Um, I'm smelling rose, let's say, um, this is a, like, I, I needing to really ask myself, where do I need to offer compassion about the situation and perhaps forgiveness is typically, it's how I interpret rose if I smell mm -hmm. rose. Um, and, uh, sometimes smoke, sometimes, uh, leathery smells, um, mm. and then, and sometimes, um, different incense. And for me, when I smell incense, I know it's my ancestors speaking with me because it's, that's mm. one tool I use to make connection with my ancestors. Um, so it's, I mean, everything I'm enlisting, none of them are universal. And mm -hmm. I wouldn't say that these are what other people who experience psychic smelling also experience. This is just how I coded the meaning um, over the years. Mm -hmm. So I love that. That's a perfect transition because what I wanted to ask about is as this gift developed um, and as you started paying attention to it, you said something, you said um, when you know, when this sense shows up and it smells like a certain person, I need to ask, is this actually about that person or is it the energy of that person as it relates to some, somebody else or some other situation? So um, do, have you found in your development of your intuitive gifts that that process of having internal inquiry or internal um, dialogue where you're intentionally asking the intuitive sense, what are you here to tell me? What are you here to show me? Do you feel like that's an important part of developing these, um, these intuitive gifts? Absolutely. Um, for me, I'm not the type of, and, and I know that there are mystics out there that would disagree and that's totally cool. Um, but for me, I feel because I'm here as a human, um, all the things that are available to me as a human are gifts, not mm -hmm. just my psychic gifts, which means it is important to use my rational mind too. Mm -hmm. um, I can't just trust only my intuition. I need to use my logic. I need to use, um, you know, like 
a, a rational mind and, and being able to combine it is really important. So for me, uh, you know, I, I like to use the word discernment a lot, like being critical of the information that comes in and thinking it through and feeling it through. And that's how I, I come to that final, that final feeling, that final answer, so to speak. Um, because it's, it, it's a huge disservice and potentially dangerous to only lean in on one gift mm-hmm. when I have more than one. And, mm-hmm. I, and when we all have more than one, we all have logic, we all have common sense. You know, I think it's, it's a good thing to weigh things with some pragmatism and to weigh things with a dash of humor and to weigh things in the context of, you know, I'm like, we can't be so self-absorbed that we think that we're only ones that are picking up information. Like mm-hmm. it, it, it's important to look at it from a bigger picture uh, perspective. So you mentioned that, um, especially when you were younger, that there was resistance is the word I'll go with resistance around embracing, um, the messages that you were receiving. And over the last two years, I've been experiencing uh, awakenings and I'm, it's plural, right? Because it's mm-hmm. not a singular experience. It's also not a linear experience. It's mm-hmm. like this spiral experience of um, emergence, right? Awakening and emergence and, and, and healing and they all intersect. Um, I'm curious, you know, in my, in this journey of multiple awakenings that I are related to the sacred feminine, but as I deepen into the work that I'm doing, they're also um, very much agendered when you get to the Mm -hmm. kind of higher levels of what's happening. Um, But the word witch is incredibly loaded, right? Because we have um, thousands of years of, of oppression and what I'll call femicide, the murdering of particularly women um, who have any knowledge or gifts around herbalism or uh, midwifery or healing or intuitive gifting, like psychic abilities. Um, so we're carrying a lot of like ancestral um, epigenetic trauma around it being unsafe to self-identify as an intuitive, as a witch, as a psychic, whatever word you want to use. Um, how did that, how did you work through that process? And was it for you, do you feel like most of your resistance was internal or were there also people in your life who you felt like were judgmental of or not willing to accept this, um, this, uh, new aspect of your being or emerging aspect of your being? Hmm. That's such a big question for me in particular. Um, so yeah, it, it was definitely both internal and external. Um, a little bit of background information. Um, my, uh, my mom is like a, a very devoted, born again, evangelical Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, and my dad's an atheist who, ha- I think he reveres science just as much as, you know, my mother reveres Jesus. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, it, it was just a, it was just the kind of home that I grew up in. And, and um, I learned to, I had to hide things from both sides, right? Like I, because they both have their own biases. Um, and then my husband, uh, you know, I, I met him actually when I was attending church. And so even though he's not a Christian now, um, when we met, we both were attending church and his parents are also very, very committed 
um, born again evangelical Christians. So mm-hmm. from the from the familial, uh, the external, there is definitely um, uh, judgments and pressures for us to conform or or you know to 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 fit in the box in a way that did not threaten even their um, to a certain degree even you know sort of how how they look. Um, within the church community. Mm -hmm. And then for me, um, yeah, I think there was a lot of, um, just, yeah, there, there's, you know, the, the multi-generational, multi-generational witch wound. Um, and then also because I, uh, uh, I was, um, indoctrinated in evangelical Christianity where, uh, and not to say that all churches feel this way, but it's just the one that I attended where they really only deem certain, paranormal gifts as um of god or of you know the holy spirit mm-hmm. um and anything outside of that was deemed as like you're you know really playing on the devil's playground um and uh you know i i i could relate with plants and i can smell things um that was not one of those, like, those two <laughs> things were not one of those things um mm-hmm. and so for me uh you know answering that other part of your question of like how did I unpack? How did I, you know, cross over and, you know, joined the dark side or whatever you want to call it? Um, Mm. I, I actually was really getting a lot of, um, invitations from, uh, a particular archetype. Well, she's technically a character in the old Testament of the Bible. Um, but I really relate with her as an archetype and this character's name, Jezebel. Okay. So, you know, like she's like the, the bad girl, right? Mm-hmm. She's the, the, the very, very, she's the baddest of the bad girls in the old Testament. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, and she was actually a historical figure, you know, she was um, a princess and she was married into, uh, the Hebrew kingdom for a political convenience. And she was assassinated later, essentially. That's kind of like the, the short version. Um, and she was assassinated because she, uh, you know, was um, very active in goddess worship, um, mm-hmm. and she uh, was very active in menstrual mysteries, and all these things that I learned um, were very important in my own mm-hmm. awakening. And mm-hmm. so, I just started relating with her. She started showing up in my dreams. I would start hearing her, and uh, I, you know, she would show up in, in journeys, and it was just this terrifying figure. Because in the beginning, you know, I was still sort of you know the good. Um, Asian churchgoer um, girl, and she's like, no, I don't talk to bad girls. <laughs> and mm. and the more I spoke with her, the more I realized that, wow, like there's a lot of similarities, mm-hmm. um, a lot. And and we, and I realized finally, like I, she was probably at the time one of the only ones that s- could see me for who I really was and accept me fully, um, and realized also. That every time I spoke with her, I felt more and more relief. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to hide and have to pretend anymore. And I didn't have to sort of force um, the square peg in a round hole or, or whatever. I wouldn't really consider myself square, but but yeah, just um, I I just didn't feel like I had to be on this vigilance to be a certain way on the outside. Um, so yeah, I would say speaking with her, which really is shadow work, right? It's being mm-hmm. able to confront your nightmares, confront your fears. I started really dancing with the devil, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Mm, thank you for that. I find so uh, so much to identify with in your 
in that story. And I think, I think probably a lot of people listening do too, whether, because, you know, whether you're still um, in the church, whether you have that relationship with uh, the Christ through, through Jesus and through the Western Judeo-Christian perspective or not, whether you're, you know, maybe just identifying with this idea of, um, of an aspect of shadow self who's showing up for you again and again. And we have to kind of make this decision. Do I form a relationship with this aspect of myself or do I continue to um, shun and hide this aspect of myself? And personally, um, and you know, a lot of the listeners know, like this is very much similar to what I went through too. I came into relationship with Jesus in my early twenties. Um, I kind of grew up going to church some with my mom. My dad was an atheist that then eventually Mm -hmm. created conflict. So we stopped going to church because Mm -hmm dad didn't want to go, sister didn't want to go. So mom and I stopped going, became a born again Christian at 21 when I was um, also being a sugar baby. So kind of like borderline prostitution, but then also like showing up in church and I was living like this dual life. And as I tried and tried and tried to be a good Christian, because I truly had so many powerful, miraculous encounters and experiences of the divine through, through God, the father, through Mm -hmm. Jesus and through the Holy spirit, Mm -hmm. all of which are, you know, framed as being masculine in Christianity, which is really only it's, it's incomplete. Um, but then as, as, as the divine feminine kept coming and kind of knocking at the door, um, she's knocking at the door with this call of like, Hey, hello, you're a priestess. You need to, um, you need to come and, you know, consort with me. We've got work to do together in helping women heal their wombs. And I'm like, oh, I can't fuck with you. Like, I, yeah, you know, yeah. like no, 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 no. I got to stay over here. Um, and, you know, and, and also being in the church and really craving the, the approved spiritual yes, gifts that you mentioned, totally. right? Being like, okay, well, and, and witnessing them at times, like, you know, I've seen people slain in the spirit. Um, you know, I have, tongues, right? Like all yeah, those I have ones. Yeah. prayer language, but I was never given a tongue like in church. And I would go to these, you know, conferences or, or different, um, revival you know, yes. churches. Yeah. And I, and, it, and there was this really interesting experience of like, um, that created a wound or activated an old wound of spiritual inferiority where it was like, okay, this person is you know, giving a prophetic word or this person speaking in a tongue or this person's laying on hands and they have these gifts, but I don't find these gifts in myself. And therefore I could only draw three meanings from that. One was they're crazy. Two was they're lying. And three was I'm not good enough. And I mostly landed on three, right? Yeah. I was like, I believe this is real. I just believe that I'm not good enough or it's not happening for me. And I prayed for it. I was like, God, please yeah. <laughs> baptize me with the Holy Spirit. Give me all the gifts. I want them all. That you know, was me too. Totally um, me. Well, and here's the beautiful thing: our prayers were very much answered, right? It's yeah, just yeah. like here. Yes, here's your gifts. Like you got them. You know what I mean? Go out and use them. And it's like, wait, those aren't the ones. Those are not on the list. You know what I mean? Um, but what's so incredible is that the more, in my experience anyway, the more that I do that shadow work and open to the gifts that are present. And for me, the strongest is the strongest is clairsentience. And then it's connected to a verbal, um, like a verbal channel. So I'll be speaking and then the full body chills come. And then I'm like continuing to speak, but what's coming through is not, it's 
it's filtered through me, but it's not of me necessarily. Yeah. Like it's like, right. and You're I'll channeling. tell people, yeah, I'm like, God, yeah. it, this is God talking. It's not me talking. So you just, you know, but also you could throw it out the window if you don't like it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. like, um, so, you know, the this process of healing the witch wound. Um, and even as we say that word, sometimes it gets stuck in the throat. You know what I mean? And that's because of that oppression. But were there any practical um, tools or um, boundary scripts or just ways that you were able to um, to embrace it? Like, how were you able to have those conversations with your parents or did you, was it still just kind of like, you're doing this, they quietly disapprove and we don't talk about it. Or did you, did you ever kind of come out in your gifting and say, this is who I am. This is the way that I relate to the divine. I love you. I hope you can honor it. And if you can't, I'm doing it anyway. Like, did you, did you come out or is it just kind of like you just kept moving towards your own path and they can accept um, it or deny it? Yeah, I would say it's, it was both. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, 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 it wasn't because my coming out wasn't like this one specific line in the timeline that mm -hmm. said, you know, this is like before and after, um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it was gradual. Um, it was gradual in the sense that, uh, I, you know, I would go on journeys, but then I would like hide my rattle. Right. Mm -hmm. And then after it's like, okay, I'll leave my rattle mm -hmm. out. Um, and, um, and so for me, for instance, uh, going back to, it relates to this topic, but going back to the, well, how do I make sure that the psychic smells that I'm experiencing are how I need to be interpreting them? Is it like interpreting in a way that's like honoring and, um, and uh, accurate? Um, so I, I, I taught myself how to work with the, uh, with the tarot and also to work with the I Ching, which is like the Chinese mm -hmm. Oracle system. Um, and for me, it's like, if both point to yes, or both point to no, then that's something I can actually act on. Um, but if there's incongruence, then that means I probably have to wait and just keep on paying attention. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so for me, I was like, in the beginning, I was like, I would hide all those things and, um, I'd hide my altars. And if you know, my parents are coming over for dinner, I would just make sure that like my bedroom door is closed and all those things. I wouldn't light incense if they were around because, um, uh, in, in Taiwanese culture, incense is still really understood as being very connected to ancestral because that's, you typically go, you know, visit a temple and light incense and, um, burn, um, what look like they're, they're like fake bills, but it's the, the, the custom is when you do that, um, you're passing, um, abundance to, uh, that other world for your ancestors to be able to experience some, some earthly blessings. Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, so a lot of those things I still had to hide. But then over the years, I've just been more and more comfortable in my own truth where I just, you know, I don't do those things anymore. I don't, I don't put away my altar. I don't put away my rattle. I still light my incense. And I got to a point one day, my mom came over and I was helping my younger one um, get dressed because uh, they were going to go out for the day. And as I was doing that, she was doing a witch hunt in my house. She was like going through the house identifying every, you know, um, thing that she deemed like satanic. And she just sort of came out, didn't even want to touch it because you know, that, that was already like so forbidden for her. And she said, well, I, I saw these things 
like proving like that, you know, I'm a witch. And she's just like, what's going on? And I said, you know, mom, I don't relate to the cosmos the way you do. And I'm not saying you're wrong, but it doesn't mean that I'm wrong either. Mm-hmm. And when I said that, she was just, she's just like, but do you still believe in Jesus? Like, it was just something that she really needed to know. She's like, I need to know I'm going to see you again. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I actually don't know if you're going to see me again, but I can guarantee you can see me now. Mm-hmm. So let's just appreciate each other now. Mm-hmm. And after, you know, whoever passes first, I hope that you come visit or I visit you through the winds or through whatever. But we don't really know, even though I really do believe reincarnation is a thing, but that's just a belief. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And it seems really real because I do a lot of past lives work and I Mm -hmm. do a lot of soul retrievals. um, But I, I, it's not like empirically proven, right? Like Mm -hmm. um, in, and even though I think it's so, so real, I really do. Um, and just like she really believes that, you know, St. <clears throat> Peter and whatever other angels outside guarding the gates of, you know, of heaven. And unless you have accepted Christ as your savior, you're not entering in. And that's really, really healthily, like it's so dear to her. And so I just said that there's like, there's so many different ways to experience the wonder of creation. Mm-hmm. We both agree it's created. We both mm-hmm. agree that this universe is so intelligent. Our bodies are so intelligent that it's not just some freaking accident. Um, but uh, it may not be the same way that I live. And, um, you know, it's taken some time to mend it. Um, and what's interesting, after I said that, my dad s- said that he was a closet witch for many years. And he used to huh. practice tarot too, which is so crazy to hear. Um, and he's, he still kind of, he doesn't really practice those with specific tools, but he's actually quite in- intuitive, um, which is something that he even said that it was not something that he felt comfortable in. Probably because um, in many cultures, um, uh, intuitives are still sort of seen as, as the crone, right? It's still a very female experience mm-hmm. rather than a male experience. And so um, I think that was something that he had to really, you know, wrestle with and be comfortable mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for being willing to share that personal story. I think it's really helpful for people who are going through their own process of emergence to just know that one, there's not like a right or wrong way to do it. Two, like you said, it doesn't have to be all of a sudden like, okay, I'm coming out of the closet. (laughs) Um, And I would say that that process of emergence is I'm, I'm mainly curious because I feel like I'm in it. I feel like I've been in it for about the last year and a half, but I'm just really, I mean, today at, with this new moon, I changed my my Instagram handle um, <laughs> from Stoke Yogi to Amelia Travis, which is my name. Mm. And part of that is that I'm really moving into this work of the medicine woman and like helping women with womb healing and doing that through the use of certain um, sacred tools and sacred allies. And it's like, you know, um, I need the reassurance. I need the reassurance. And, and it's like, I thankfully have the full support of my husband. I have the full support of my, my, um, my mom, who's my remaining living parent. But, um, but there's been a lot of spiritual um, oppression in my past where there was people that I put on a pedestal or put in a position of, put in a power dynamic above me 
who I, I was desperately seeking their approval and this is so far outside of it, right? And so I find that there's still a little voice that, never mind the like, again, just like there were in, the, in, in my walk as a self-identified Christian, um, now in my walk as a self-identified priestess, there's incredible miraculous experiences, incredible healings, incredible knowing prayer. You know, I can see the way my prayer is being woven constantly. So I have all this evidence that I am supported by my relationship with divinity in what's currently expressing itself. And yet there's still the little voice that shows up every once in a while. It's like, but are you sure this mm. isn't bad? You know? Mm, mm. Um, and I was sitting in I was sitting in ayahuasca ceremony and this uh, recently and what I opened to or what was open to me was that labeling, right? The binary of right, wrong, good, bad. Um, and how there's always been in me this very deep curiosity towards, uh, for the occult, right? For, and when I say occult, I mean that which is hidden. I mean mm -hmm. that which is in the dark, the mystery. Mm -hmm. Um, which is very much related to the feminine, right? We have that yin principle. We have the, um, you know, the 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 earth, the matter, right? Um, and we put so much emphasis, and I say we, meaning the collective kind of spiritual, even new age communities on um, ascendance and ascending energy oh, yeah. and transcendence. And it's like, what about imminence? What about going down and in? What about, you know, our connection to this, plane which is our this plane and this body which are the instruments through which we can awaken right so Absolutely. we're constantly going like hello out here i'm like waving my arms around in the air you guys are reaching up for the sky <laughs> like we're looking for like the answers out here out here out here out here but when we go down and in there's so much there that's where everything in my opinion maybe not everything but that's where our knowing and understanding can actually arise from. So, um, so you have the, the, um, the psychic smelling gift. Um, and you, what are some of the other ways that you, that you currently work or practice or experience your relationship with divinity? Obviously we, you, we touched very lightly on plants and you know, you mentioned um, shamanic journeying and dreams. Can you just share with us a little bit about like, what does your, what does your spiritual practice look like today? Mm. Yeah, I would say it's, it's a little bit of all those things that you've listed. Um, I feel that the psychic smelling, it's because I can't control it. Like mm -hmm. it, I, I have no way of knowing when I'm going to experience it. Um, it's a little different than some intuitives who always have this, like that line is always open and they could just ask their guides and get the download. It's not like that with psychic smelling. Psychic smelling is, it happens when it happens. Um, and oftentimes it happens when I need it. Um, and when I think I need it and when spirit thinks I need it, it's not always the same. So sometimes uh -huh. that can be frustrating. Um, but in terms of practice where I can be more proactive, where I can do the doing and the being. Mm -hmm. um, I sit down with tea um, mm. every day and I speak with tea uh, 
as a teacher. Um, and sometimes I'll, it'll just be me and T and sometimes it'll be me and T and a few other spirits that are, I mean, they're not physically in the room or at least your eyes can't see it, but, but I, I know they're there. Um, and that's, that's more my personal practice. It's not really like professional, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I, I journey, I journey for myself. Um, and I also, of course, journey for, for others, you know, for, for clients and, and so and can forth. you share a little bit about what that means for anybody who yeah. doesn't know the term? Yeah. So, um, let me back up a bit. So what is exactly shamanism in case, right? Mm-hmm. If we need to sort of kind of just start from the foundations. So shamanism is a practice of relating to, uh, entities from the spirit world, um, and relating to, uh, things of the earth that are non-human, but relating with them in such a way where you are in communication and receiving information as if they were human in a sense, not human in form, but, but human as an intelligence, mm-hmm. um, and realizing that all plants and all animals carry, uh, their own form of intelligence. And, uh, in the work it's called medicine, um, you know, mm-hmm. there's, you know, bird medicine or plant medicine and, and, and whatnot. Um, and so for a journey, um, I uh, enter into a trance. Now, there's different ways to enter into a trance. One very, uh, you know, well-known way that's, that's quite popular right now is through, you know, entheogenic plants, mm-hmm. right? So like plants that, that alter um, your, your, your mind, alter your brain waves, and you enter into a trance that way. I do not work um, professionally that way. Of, of course, you know, in my private practice, um, I, I do find it really beneficial to work with let's say mushrooms and so forth but anyway um in my professional practice i enter into trance through drumming and rattling um and when i enter into that trance i get access to uh, the spirit worlds where i on a spirit level travel and then i i you know i land there and i meet with my my various allies and i meet with clients allies and i can ask questions i can um get insights into, you know, future potentials. Um, I can get answers about, you know, why a situation has transpired the way it has and what can be done about it. I can meet with their ancestors and um, oftentimes can bring healing within that family line. I can um, have a look at their past lives. And if there's, you know, like lost soul parts, I can retrieve it back. Um, Lots of different things. Um, and I'm only really glossing over it, like on a quite superficial level. But going back to my practice, um, it's it's like just going to visit them and chit-chatting. And sometimes it's like, you know, I go because I've got stuff and I need help. Um, just like we all, you know, as humans have stuff, we all, it's what life is sometimes. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And sometimes it's just, you know, to, to get inspired or just to hang out with them and just to be in their presence and to learn. Um, and yeah, so, so that definitely takes up a, a good portion of my practice. And then I would say another big component um, is, um, is, you know, really divinating outside of that realm and being, once again, in this three-dimensional world, working a fair amount with the eating. Um, I, I love both. I, I love tarot. I love the eating. I love eating specifically because... Um, a because it, it because I, I am also Chinese so mm-hmm. there is that 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 tie that this ancient tie um, to this ancient language that um, that I happen to still speak um, mm-hmm. and you know and and there's there's a lot of 
hidden meaning in things that can't be translated from Chinese into English that I just really naturally understand. Um, and so it's like, it's a different language, but then there's like this other language within the language that I really mm -hmm. relate well with. And it's, it's a fascinating oracle system. It's so accurate, um, just like tarot, but it's accurate in a different way for me. Um, mm -hmm. It just really gets to the core of the matter and you're not doing a spread, right? You're not doing like a Celtic cross or some type of like decision tree. It's you, you draw one hexagram and sometimes it might change into a second hexagram, but at the end, it's just two images mm -hmm. um, and that's it. Um, and, but yet there's so much information and so much nuance. And I don't even think anyone could ever really be a master of it because it's so, it's so packed. It's so rich um, with wisdom. It's, it's just so alive. And as you embraced these different tools and practices, did you find, um, did you find teachers or people to study with? Did you read books? Were you self-taught in an intuitive way? Um, and I'm asking this because I, I believe that there's value in, in both, right? I believe there's value mm -hmm, in sitting at the feet mm -hmm. of elders. I believe mm -hmm. there's value in, in going and receiving trainings, mm -hmm. not necessarily that you need to have a certification in something, but like going and receiving knowledge and wisdom from people who have been in this study for longer than you, right? We're always the student and the teacher. Yeah. Then I think there's also, especially when it comes to our spiritual practices, I think it's incredibly important to cultivate agency and autonomy by self, by self study, by teaching yourself, by learning from, from books and from your own experience and your own intuition. Right. And just like to use tarot as an example, my mom started me to teaching me how to read tarot when I was like nine or 10 years old, I grew up playing with it. I would say like, it was like, you know, I, I would, and we had books and things like that and I could learn. And over the years, I also learned to like pull the card and not use the book, right? Look at it and look at the images and allow my subconscious to, to meet my conscious mind and to tell a story. And from that personal storytelling, I started to build relationship with the cards as my own practice rather than saying, well, this book says this and this book says this. And obviously the, those are archetypal. So did you have teachers and trainings did you do it all yourself or was it somewhere in the middle it, yeah it was definitely somewhere in the middle is both um mm -hmm. so uh going I'll, I'll share a little bit about that 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 accident that i called it that accidental entrance into shamanism so i was on bed rest um it was a five month bed rest it was really it was, it was a little over five months actually and it was just it was a really long time to be in bed, like mm -hmm. all day, every day. Um, and uh, I had committed at that time to get back into my meditation practice. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it, it started off as like a 10 minute practice, which kind of led to it growing eventually to about five hours a day. Mm -hmm. um, and it was around, I can't remember, it must have been around, you know, the time when I was meditating extensively, at least around four hours or so, where one day I found myself in this place, like this, this spirit world that I knew was real, 
it, and I talked to spirits. They said some things about me and about, you know, some, some things like in my life and about some people, like close, close people in my life. And, um, and it was just so real that I couldn't deny it. So that was my first shamanic journey. Mm-hmm. And, and after that, like, I didn't know how to get back. Like I, mm-hmm. I would, I would get excited to go into a meditation every day um, after the kids were picked up and sent to school and so forth. Um, but, uh, I, I didn't, I, sorry, not kids at the time. There was only one child. <laughs> I was, I was burying the other one, but anyway, mm-hmm. I, yeah. So, um, and, uh, I was, I just couldn't, I just didn't know how. And I, and I, and that's when I realized, okay, I, I got there, but I'm not trying to get back there because I have so many more questions now. And I, I wanted, I want to explore. Um, and that was when, after my second was born, I started asking around and I shared this with some, you know, close friends that didn't, that I knew it was like safe to share with them that it wasn't going to feel like I was, um, like I wouldn't be judged for it. And they wouldn't sort of dismiss me as like crazy, so to speak. Cause at that time I was still really unpacking, um, my, uh, my ability to, to perceive myself as a very legitimate per incredible person. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I was having all those experiences. And so that was when I was introduced to another female shamanic practitioner. She, uh, doesn't live in Vancouver proper. She lives, um, um, like on Vancouver Island, mm-hmm. but she came to my home and she, uh, she taught me her, her name is Leona DeLangboom. Um, I'm not actually sure if she's still currently practicing, um, shamanic healing. Um, I know she took some time to, to do some traveling and so forth, but anyway, um, that's her name, uh, Leona DeLangboom. And she really taught me the language and, um, the safety pieces. Cause that was something that I, I didn't know. Um, and, but in terms of the perception and being able to befriend allies, that was something that I, I like, it really just came with, with, I think there was a natural gifting towards it. And then also it just came with practice. And then in terms of tarot and the aging, um, those are self-taught, um, Mm -hmm. and, you know, things like chaos magic, that's something that I also practice, not so much. Um, it's not really something that I, it's more like the, the, the supporting structure kind of in the background mm-hmm. where you don't really see it. Um, it's what holds my intentions and it's what holds spaces for, for, you know, uh, the, the business and so forth. Um, but that, you know, the more I learn about the craft of chaos magic, the more I realized I was doing things as a child and I didn't even know it was witchcraft. Like mm-hmm. I was writing sigils, um, especially in the context of chaos magic, like a very specific method. I was doing that um, just as a child. Like I, I did that on like my notebooks and like my binders mm-hmm. growing up through, you know, through grade school. And, and I, I didn't know that's what it was. It was so interesting to just find that out way later. Um, and so I, I do believe some things are just you're, you're born with a gifting or you're born with a disposition to learn it quickly. And then other times, I think there's a lot of merit in learning from masters. But I agree with you. Um, when you learn from masters, it's not for the context. It's not, you know, for self-approval, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's to, to be, it's just to be, to, to grow in confidence and to, to deepen your work. Um, and this is why that personal agency is so important. And for me, my personal experience of feeling being really lost in the church, because I mean, any 
autonomy and any any ability to think for myself was stripped away right mm -hmm. like it was it was all about the leaders of the church that the churches that i attended um, it was always about the clergy um, and like you had said because i didn't have the gifts of laying hands i didn't have the gift of prophesying i didn't have um, the the gift of speaking in tongues i i really did experience that that status right like that there's like that social spiritual hierarchy that exists and um and so i was really told that i must listen i must obey and mm -hmm. like i must not think for myself because that's like once again the devil's playground if i think too much for myself mm -hmm. um and yeah so i mean for me it was an I, it was an it was an act of healing to also learn on my own mm -hmm. absolutely i agree with that and um it's so interesting mimi when you're talking about not knowing that as a child that there were ways that you were practicing witchcraft specifically the sigils same thing like i remember writing in my notebooks and i would layer the letters over yes, each other totally because i didn't want someone to read to, it yeah. and know what it meant but it would be specifically like often affirmation type statements like um or like things that i wanted and so that's so you literally just illuminated that for me um and so chaos magic, you guys, I had to go look that up this morning because I didn't know what it was. Um, but, and you can, Mimi, feel free to chime in and correct me if this is not totally accurate, but it's essentially a, it's essentially a system of magic. It's not even really a system. It's like that your, your beliefs are kind of the primary governing, um, governing agent of that type of magic. So it's really like what you believe you can create um, or what you it's how your your personal belief system um actually as you said creates the container for your magic whatever it is and it's interesting because as i was reading a little bit about the history of it um it's kind of a postmodern it says approach to magic and the, and which i loved because as a literature nerd i'm like oh, okay that helps me get it right like it was almost <laughs> a, a response to these systems of of um of high magic right that were really ritual and formalized and say you have to do things this way and this was kind of the pendulum swinging the other direction and saying mm, there's also our ability to just create magic through our own expression which to me has a strong correlation with like quantum physics um in the sense that it's kind of like we're forming and shaping what's unfolding by what we pay attention to right and so i I would love to, is that how you understand chaos magic? Or when you say that term, what does that mean to you? Yes, absolutely. Everything you described is um, accurate to how I um, interpret chaos magic as well. Um, one other piece that I really love about chaos magic is that it's, it, it is totally non-denominational, right? Mm -hmm. You don't need to be Wiccan. And, and that was something that I was interested in because like, I mean, if you go to your local metaphysical bookstore in North America, chances are the witchcraft section is going to be very Wiccan based, right? Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. because that's, it's representative of um, a, a huge majority of the demographic of North America. Um, and if you want anything more uh, earth and ancestral based, then you wind up veering into um, or First Nations or, um, mm -hmm. you know, like aboriginal cultures but then that really is now touching more on shamanic work 
Mm -hmm. And so for me, I felt, yeah, like I, and, and not to say that shamanism is only for North America because shamanism is found all over the world. Mm -hmm. um, it's the oldest form um, of, if you even want to call it a religion, but it's, it is the, the oldest form of spirituality um, found on earth. And it exists in all cultures because humans have always been interested in their relationship with the earth with everything that grows on the earth, everything that flies above the earth, and also with the elements, right? With water, with fire, with, you know, with air, all these things. Um, and for me, I practice core shamanism. So it's not specific to a specific region or mm -hmm. a specific group. Um, now, so now answering chaos magic. So for me, because I, you know, I was born in Taipei. I moved here when I was two. I spoke Mandarin at home. We had a really, like, I had a really traditional, you know, Taiwanese, Chinese Taiwanese upbringing where we ate the food and, you know, observed all the lunar holidays um, and, you know, ate special lunar food around those holidays and, you know, had a lot of customs around it. Yet, um, I, you know, I would, I would say that I'm, I'm like, I'm, in many ways, more westernized than I am Asian in other, mm -hmm. right? Just because like, this is, this is my community. And you know, when you move to a place when you're two, um, and I've never, let's say, like, you know, I've never attended school in Asia. So um, a lot of my values have been, or at least my worldview has been taught through uh, the Western European um, model of education mm -hmm. that of course came over here to North America. So I, in some ways, I feel like I'm of neither of I'm not of either of the worlds, and I'm of both worlds. And so this was something that I really, you know, it continues to be a big theme in my own life. Like, where's home? Who am I? What is what's the most authentic expression of me? And so for chaos magic, that's why I'm so. It it just it resonates with me. Mm -hmm. um, it never made sense for me to identify too much with Wiccan practices because um, it, it's, it, it seemed, it didn't seem totally authentic, but chaos magic, because it's non-denominational, it made so much sense. And when the more I researched, the more I practiced, the more I realized, oh my gosh, I've been practicing this stuff anyway. Um, and so, yeah. And then, so that, that's one piece that I wanted to add to the chaos magic. And then the other piece is it's actually eventually, um, they, you know, they, they, they say that when you get to the degree of mastery where you don't need anything, you don't need candles, you don't need wands, you don't need paper, you don't need sigils, you don't need any of it. Because, all, because at that point of mastery, all you're manipulating or working with is energy. Mm -hmm. And so that to me is also very quantum. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and it also is just so exciting. Like, it's mm -hmm. like, wow, I get to be Magneto or whatever. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, right. Like, it's like when I, when I like watch the, cause my kids like, um, super, superhero kind of sagas, so to speak. Um, I'm like, that's interesting. Like, I wonder if the writers have a deep fascination with chaos magic and the quantum mm -hmm. because they certainly reference it a lot. Mm -hmm. um, it's so interesting. Like, I think one thing that's really cool about that perspective, and I was experiencing this other, the other night, I was holding a ceremony, um, a mushroom ceremony, and I was, you know, I was working with other people's energy, right? So 
what I'm learning about the way that I work is that it is, again, it's this emergence, right? There's something that, um, rather than being like, how do I do this and what are the systems? And even though the, those may exist and other people and teachers may have them, though there's a few ways that I work. One is song and sound. So like tonal vibrations, moving other people's energy that they are not necessarily, um, consciously able to move, helping them move it and release it through tonal vibrations and through um, improvised song. And then dance is another one that's coming to me all the time as a form of prayer and a form of magic, but one in which I can move my body. And by moving my body, holding a clear intention, like I can move energy. Um, so so to me, I'm, I'm fascinated to learn more about what chaos magic means to different people. Um, and I think this is a good transition point. We love to share a book club on the show. And you're you've talked a couple times about going to the metaphysical bookstore and being frustrated with <laughs> not finding what you need. Um, but I would love to know, was there, were there one or two books that you're like, this book was really powerful in giving me more permission or freedom to be who I am, or this one was really mm. powerful for my relationship with shamanism or chaos magic, or um, we touched on dreamings and didn't really get to dive into that. We'll have to have you have you back to talk about <laughs> dreams because I'm so fascinated. But any books that um, you would recommend for our listeners? Mm. Uh, I did get this book at the metaphysical bookstore, but the one that I like to frequent has a pretty big psychology and relationship section. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not like you know, it's not an occult book, but it certainly has been really instrumental in my own healing. And it's, uh, it's called um, How to Be an Adult. Hmm. It's written by David Ryko. Mm -hmm. uh, Ryko is spelled R-I-C-H-O. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it's, it's a small book. Um, it's a fairly accessible read. And it is just so powerful. Um, hmm. I, I recommend it to anyone. Um, and I, I say for me, it's, it's helped me the most simply because it helped me really understand who I am in relationship to the environment. That can be the human environment. That can be, you know, the environment of energy. What is it that I really want? How can I be clear about how I feel? Um, and how can I be clear about that with others um, and realizing boundaries? Like these are, and, you know, it's, 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 it's an old book. It's been around for a while. And, and David Ryko has written many different books. Like he's um, and I would recommend all his books, but that one in particular uh, is definitely a worthwhile read. Um, and for your listeners, it's, it's, it's common enough where you could find it um, at your local library. Um, How to Be an Adult by David Ryko. We'll link yeah. it um, in the show notes below to Amazon. You guys can find it. And if you want to buy it in your local bookstore, good. Go support Shop Local. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. So I know that there's people listening who are fascinated, myself included. I'm going to be booking a past life healing and soul retrieval because that's literally something I've been looking for. And here you are. Um, <laughs> Ta-da! So, but I want to share, if you guys are fascinated with this, if you found yourself in her words and you're, you're looking to delve more deeply into this work, um, Mimi offers a couple of things that are incredibly valuable for you that you can check out um, on her website, which is shopceremony.com. And ceremony is spelled with an I-E at the end. That's also linked in the show notes below. You can also connect with her on Instagram at shopceremony. Um, and it's 
It's uh, shop and then C-E-R-E-M-O-N-I-E. That's also linked in the show notes below. Um, and on those um, sites and, and her Instagram, you'll find access to the remote shamanic readings where she's going to travel to the spirit realms on, on your behalf. Um, like she talked about to discover spirit allies, receives answers to many, any questions that you may have um, and facilitate energetic rebalancing. And then you have some courses that are coming up. Um, so if you guys were intrigued by the past life healing and soul retrieval on April 7th, um, you're going to have an online course. Is, is that a webinar or is that looks like it's a webinar, like a live masterclass. Yes. Okay, perfect. <clears throat> yes. Um, so that's coming up in April. In May, um, she'll be teaching on psychic smelling. Um, and then in June, a four-hour intensive um, called Devil Medicine, Shadows, Nightmares, and the Dark Goddess. So if you're doing this shadow work or if you're interested um, in diving into that aspect of self, I, you know, I hope that you can feel and that you received from this conversation that that she's a safe person to do that with. Um, I feel that for myself and maybe you feel that for, for yourself as well. Um, and, um, and so if you want to find information about any of those, all of those are on shopceremony.com. So go check those out. Go say hi to her on Instagram, send her a DM. Um, and then if you're interested in exploring more about neurofeedback, we didn't talk a lot about that, but you can find her Instagram about neurofeedback at Open Minds Performance um, and info on the web at openmindsperformance.com. And all of that is linked in the show notes. So if you're looking for more info, um, go down there, scroll down, go connect, say hello. Um, and then let's leave them with a little bit of a little bit of wisdom from you. You've given us so much, but um, can you just share with us one or two pieces of um, encouragement or direction for those who are seeking to go deeper in um, healing their own witch wound, um, you know, embracing their own shamanic practitioner potential, um, or just really finding more freedom in their unique spiritual walk, uh, what would you tell them? Hmm. Love that question. Wow. I would say choose something simple and repeatable to do on a daily basis. So something as simple as you know, if you're wanting to deepen your shamanic connection, um, and simultaneously heal your witch wounds. Something as simple as sitting down with a herb or tea even on a daily basis and just enter into meditation. And if you do it enough and with the intention of, I'd like to speak with so-and-so, you know, if you're having, um, if you're consuming, let's say peppermint tea or if you're consuming some oolong tea, say have the intention, hi, my name is Amelia. I'd like to develop a relationship with you, T, and just start doing that. Do it for a month mm -hmm. and see, and it doesn't have to be long. You can keep it like five to 10 minutes, right? Mm -hmm. And you're quiet. You're not on your phone. You're not thinking about what you have to do next. You're literally just sitting down with a plant teacher mm -hmm. and, and just start being receptive. If you do that for a month, A, you could actually definitely increase your shamanic connection. B, you may actually wind up learning a thing or two from the plant teacher. And C, 
you'll realize healing the witch wound, it starts with understanding that plants are not objects. Mm -hmm. Plants are real individuals. And it's not about, you know, oh, I'm unwell and so I'm going to drink this and get better. It's actually about having a relationship because how come some people work, you know, like oil of oregano works really well for some people and not for mm -hmm. others. There's many different reasons. Of course, there's, you know, the physiological reason. But my belief is also that if that person is relating to that medicine in a way that is like honest and not transactional, not mm -hmm. like I bought you for $12.99 at the store. So therefore you're going to make me feel better. <laughs> that is transactional. <laughs> obviously so but it's more like hey like i'm wanting to get better by being more natural and not relying on you know toxins and so forth to make me better and i'm, I'm get, willing to give it a try and willing to be receptive to what you can offer me um and that is really the start to the practice um yeah i haven't met a witch that says that she does or he does not or they do not have a relationship with earth um mm -hmm. they all do mm -hmm. Thank you so much for your wisdom. This was such a joy and um and I look forward to to following along more closely with what is unfolding for you over the next year um and to learning from you and with you and um I just really I thank you for um listening to whatever prompt of spirit made you arrive right on time in my world. And I can't Yay. wait for, for my um, soul retrieval and past life healing. So I got to go get that book. So we got to go. But um, you guys, thanks for taking the time to hang out with us. And we will see you on the next episode. Thank you, Mimi. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Amelia. And bye, everyone. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with me on another episode of Totally Stoked Podcast. If you love this episode, if it impacted you in some way, please grab a screenshot and share it right now to Instagram stories, tag Stoked Yogi, hashtag Totally Stoked Podcast. Each week, we'll grab one listener who shared and send you some Stoked Yogi swag. Also, if you love the show, please subscribe, share it with a friend, or head over to iTunes right now and leave us an honest review. Your support and feedback make this show possible. If you have ideas about how we can improve, please send them to podcast at stokedyogi.com. Until next time, you guys, keep showing up, loving people, telling the truth, and remember, keep living your life totally stoked.